My journey as a Superman fan started with a tattered red cape blowing in the wind. That ending rocketed me forward like a red-blue blur through a decade-long origin story and poignant tales of self-discovery and now fatherhood and backward to the character's very beginnings. Now, on this podcast, we journey together across time and media to examine the stories that have defined the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the classic animated series Super Friends, specifically a selection of Superman-centric episodes, is returning guest Jeremy Frutkin. Welcome back. Anthony, a wise man once told me, I get by with a little help from my super friends. And here we are once again in the saddle with a very interesting animated look at Superman and his, well, super friends. Yes. Well, thank you for joining me for this. You were, of course, on the show for an epic five-episode run. At the beginning of 2022, we did our Superman the Animated Series mixtape episodes, which were very well received. You became a fan favorite guest right away, which I love. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And appreciate you. You and I have plans next year to apply that same approach to the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons. But in the meantime, I got this itch that I just had to scratch to delve at least a little bit into the Super Friends animated series. So thank you for joining me for this. Whenever I don't watch a Superman-related cartoon show with you, Anthony, I start getting a little shaky and a little itchy myself. I agree. Why make people wait? Why make each other wait? This is out there. I think we're going to have a lot of fun looking at the Super Friends. Side note, the group of friends I grew up with, my best friends, always affectionately called ourselves the Super Friends. So I know a bunch of them listen to this podcast as well. So shout out to uh, Patty, Bruce, Will, John, John and Bruce for uh, for being a Super Friends. They're going to get a real kick out of all of that. So this is kind of an extra special meeting for me today as well. That's awesome. I was aware from some Facebook posts. I there remember, I remember no seeing that. Yep. Now, just to sort of set the table for our audience, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening to this who grew up watching the Super Friends and have a lot of memories and a lot of affection. Yes. You and I are not in that category for the most we part. Not. We really came into this pretty fresh and cold. So, you know, audience, just keep in mind stuff that might sort of be old hat to you or old news for you. It's new to us. And so we're kind of going to be exploring this together. But we touched on this when we when we did our Superman, the animated series mixtapes. But just to kind of catch everyone up. What, if anything, was your experience with the Super Friends prior to this episode? I knew them as part of what my generation considers a campy zeitgeist, kind of, right? I knew them. I had an old Aquaman Super Friends t-shirt. I saw some random clips here and there. I knew a lot, actually, from Adult Swim cartoons where they would pull clips sometimes and characters in um, like Harvey Birdman, attorney at law when they had the whole uh, Hanna-Barbera license. Um, so I knew just in passing from that, but this is the first time I really sat down in earnest and watched the super friends and without bearing the lead too much overall, I'm glad I did overall. I'm still glad I did. Yes. I'm, and I'm glad you said that. And for the audience, in case anyone was like, Oh, are these guys going to come in and just dump on the show? No, no, I, I don't. <laughs> that's certainly not the intention. No. I, I, like you, really got a lot a lot out of this viewing project, and I came away from it with, with a lot of affection for Super Friends. And more than anything yes. else, I totally see now why this resonated with an entire generation 
of fans. And even for myself, watching it as a 35-year-old man in 2022, there was a lot about it that I really loved. And there's a connection to something from our childhood that I want to talk about in a second that made me love it even more. But I'll just say for myself, and we had talked about this when we did the Superman episodes, you know, like, I think we, you know, we had similar views of, of what it was. I mean, I remember catching the occasional rerun on Cartoon Network as a kid. Sure. And that was about it. But could I say that I watched it regularly? No. And, you know, this was in the 90s. It wasn't like I necessarily had access to, you know, a full listing of, of episodes and descript. Like, I just didn't know right. that much about right. it. It was like whatever I happened to catch. And, yes, yeah, certainly the sensibilities were a lot different than what I was watching in the in the then budding DC animated universe from Bruce Tim, having just revisited the the Bruce Tim uh, animated universe and now Super Friends, I think both subjectively based on our experiences growing up, but also objectively looking at them now with fresh eyes, I I do still think you and I grew up in the golden age of DC animation. <laughs> I firmly agree from you trying to be as objective. And of course that's impossible, uh, you know, but trying to be as objective as, as we can be. I think that's, I think that's completely accurate. I think it's a complete accurate statement. I, I to, to kind of give a nice little lead in here. You know, we, we just talked about off air that uh, I'm a big video game fan. I think most of our listeners also know that as well too. I was lucky to be born as the same time as the original NES, right? The original Nintendo. And stick with me here. I promise I'm going to loop this all around. That how I feel about the NES, where so many incredible video game franchises got started. I'm talking about, you know, Mario to a greater extent, Zelda, the first Final Fantasy, Metroid, Kirby. They all got their start in that era. That alone makes it incredibly historically important. However, all of those games and properties have been done better since then. And that is exactly what I feel about the Super Friends. I think they're historically incredibly important and they're worthy of study, even though I think it's fair to say, as objective as we can be, that it's been done better since then. I think that's a very fair assessment and and, and a natural one, right? I mean, with, with all of these things, when we're talking, especially with these superhero mythologies, how they build upon one another. And certainly over the course of this podcast, I see that, you know, time and again. So, sure. you know, it, I think in a lot of ways, it definitely paved the way for what was to come. And one of the things that, because this was educational for me, both viewing the episodes, but also uh, reading about it. And in terms of what we watched, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll give the full list in a second, but essentially you and I watched about... 18 stories. So sometimes it was a full episode. Other times it was a segment from an episode, but about 18 stories. And I'll, I'll give the list in a minute. But I also did some research primarily on Wikipedia. And you know what Michael Scott from The Office says about Wikipedia? Wikipedia is the greatest thing in the world. Anyone can write anything on any subject. So you know you're getting the best possible information. <laughs> this is why you're the world's best boss, Anthony. You know what I mean? World's best boss. That's it. But I think Wikipedia was uh, was <laughs> was was correct here, so it's all right. But <laughs> amazing. The thing that I, one of the things I was so surprised by was how long it ran. You yes. know, because in my head it was just sort of like generally like oh, I was seventies or eighties, but it ran from seventy three to eighty five, and there were a couple of gaps here and there. But so you're talking a twelve year span. Now, in that time, they did less than a hundred episodes, so most of the seasons were on the short side. But mm -hmm. for over a decade especially when it comes to animation. I mean, this was this was it. I mean, it was the introduction to these characters for, again, a whole generation of yeah. fans. 
and yes. really was, you know, a steward and carried the torch for these characters and, and the DC universe for such a long period of time. And yes, there was other stuff going on at the time. I mean, the Adam West Batman series had ended, you know, in, in the sixties, of course, but during the run of super friends, you had the wonder woman uh, television series. And then of course the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. So it's not like there was nothing else going on, but again, for those Saturday mornings for all those years, it's like you think about all of the, the kids and adults who were exposed to these characters and really came to love these characters from the show. I really came to appreciate that in my research and viewing. Anytime that it's going to be the very first time a generation sees these larger than life living legends that are part of our modern mythology come to life, so to speak, you want to treat it with that respect. And that lens, just just inherently. And this is so cool to think that this is really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least at large, the first time that we've seen in this format, the uh, Justice League or Super Friends, I should say, coming together, which I think is uh, absolutely incredible to me. And it must have completely blown people's minds, right? Back then, seeing them come together. And uh, I mean, you know, this is so far behind where we see what you know, the Marvel movies have exploded with the Avengers and everything like that. Back even in when we were reading comics in the 90s, the Avengers were nowhere near the, the popularity that they are now. And I think there's something still to be said about that magic, right, with Justice League and that Super Friends. Because when you have such iconic individuals like you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, all franchise mythological just champions – you know, you walk down the street, people know who they are regardless. And it's been that way for, oh, goodness, some of them going on close to 100 years at this point, right? Like we're getting there as time flies by. There's something so magical for the first time seeing them in motion come together. How are they going to, you know, and, and they're all friendly. They don't really have too much bickering, too much bickering or too much problems. They're super friends after all. But it's so magical to see them together as a team for the first time. And I really try to put myself in that perspective back then. That really must have been something special. I don't want to undercut any of that, but there had been the filmation animated uh, shows. They had done a Batman show and a Superman show, and then there was an Aquaman segment. And yep. they had done, there was like a proto version of Justice League. So there were filmation cartoons that featured the team, but not, I mean, not to this This, to this grandeur level. and scale. Got it. Got yeah, it. Got for it. Sure. Yeah. But I do think, and I will be covering the filmation stuff on the show probably next year. So we'll get there, folks. But I, I do, I'm sure that in, in large part helped pave the way for, again, sure. just as, you know, all of these things sort of, you know, they stand on the shoulders that's, of what came that's before. That's what's been the cool thing about this journey we've been on, right? Through all these different decades, we really see how uh, they do build and connect to each other, even when you think that they might not. Yeah. No, which I and, think is kind of interesting. And totally. And, and on that note, and I know I say this in a lot of episodes, but it's true. I mean, this was, this was a gap. This was definitely a gap in my fandom. Like I oh, said, my yes. knowledge was very superficial and my experience with it, very minimal. And now, I mean, would I go so far as to say I immersed myself in the series? That might be stretching it, but not by much because we watched episodes basically from, we didn't, we didn't select anything from the first couple of seasons and we could talk about that, but, sure. uh, you know, but from virtually, I mean, every other season, there was at least some, some episode or segment that we watched. So I think we got a good sense of the you know, the, the long view of the show and the evolution of it. And we watched a good bunch of episodes. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I have, have a good sense of it. And you and I were talking off mic. There will be a couple of opportunities down the line on this podcast where, you know, maybe we'll go back to Super Friends and, and explore maybe some non-Superman-centric episodes. But, I, I mean, I definitely feel like to a large extent, this is a gap that I've I've closed in large part. And that's always a great yeah. feeling. And, and it, this was, yeah. Again, I really found myself... 
because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if this was going to be like going to feel like a chore or or what. And I ended up really looking forward to to my viewings. Like, how was it for you getting through these again, like these 18 stories that we watched? It, it was an adjustment at first. If I'm going to be completely just honest, and I always, for better or for worse, I'm completely honest with you and our audience. It was an adjustment at first to be like, wow, okay, different time, different era. And then I was like, okay, I appreciate it. Even still, as we were going forward, and I just said this to you off mic, and I'm going to say the same thing now. As we were getting to like the end, it started wearing on me a little bit, if I'm being completely honest with you. It just, and I still have, it ended up coming full circle around actually the very last Superman one we watched really kind of brought it back around for me, which I actually thought was pretty cool. So they did some great work overall. But, I, you know, overall, I do. I have such a, a healthy appreciation. I guess the word is respect for this show that helped pave the way on such a, a, a grander scale, I should say that has come before. So I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it. And um, it made me want to go run and read justice league comic books right after. So it definitely did its job all these years later. Gotcha. You know, what's so funny. I, so I, I not to speak for you. I feel like I have, I feel like I came away from it with a little bit more affection towards it than you did and i think he, i think this was the key for me so look first of all different sensibilities different pacing different mm-hmm, different everything mm-hmm. right and you know these were definitely made for for kids in that in that period of time and they're they're relatively simple and sometimes hokey yeah. stories right but i came to find them and i kept coming back to this word comforting there was something about it and and maybe this, it, what's funny too, is I said to myself, I feel like if I had done this viewing project when I was, I don't know, 22 or 25, 10 years ago, I feel like I would have been like, oh, this is a stupid kids cartoon. I don't like this, you know? Sure. But I don't know after, you know, between becoming a dad and all, all of the turmoil that we've seen in the world over these past sure. couple of years, sure. I don't know what it was, but there was really something where I was like, you know. I know that over the course of this episode or segment, you know, there'll be some kind of inciting incident. Things will get bad. It'll seem like all hope is lost, but it it's always going to work out. There's always going to be some clever twist and it'll all be fine. Look, we love Superman, the animated series, but there was never any danger that a character was going to get Omega beamed to death on the show or that there was going to be any state execution on the show. Right. <laughs> and for anybody listening, I'm still not recovered from that, but yes, <laughs> that's yes. Yeah. It's a very valid point. For so sure. I, there was, there was something very comforting about the formula of it that I just kind of fell into. And, and I don't know too, like I was watching virtually all of these at night, like kind of, you know, on the later side. And I don't know, there was just something that bedtime that, stories that put me comforting yeah, bedtime stories comforting yeah. bedtime stories sure. that really put me at ease and then what fully unlocked this for me okay so again you and i are the same age we grew up watching a lot of the same stuff yep so a a, a colorful group clearly classically heroic no real infighting personalities and i don't say this in a critical way, but personalities largely interchangeable with the exception of the adult versus the teen characters. Otherwise yep. personalities are largely interchangeable. A cool headquarters, um, really awesome toys that tied in to the show, uh, different lineups and different uh, series titles every year or so. What does this sound like to you? Mm-hmm. Sounds like uh, some of our favorite Justice League stuff, huh? 
it, I was going to say Power Rangers. Power Rangers. I always thought you were talking about the Justice League to Justice League Unlimited. No. Wow. Power Rangers. You brought it to Power Rangers. And, Interesting. And that's what unlocked it for me. And I was like, because look, audience, you know, if, if you have, I don't know, 10 years or more on us, you probably grew up with Super Friends and not with, with Power Rangers. Um, and you were a pet, right? You grew you watched. Oh, who wasn't, man? Who wasn't? Uh, my, my buddy just sent me uh, and my now wife a picture with me wearing a power. I should send it to you. Of me wearing the Red Ranger helmet a couple of years ago that we found when we were cleaning out his house. Of, of course. Everybody our age, I think, for the most part, is a Power Ranger fan. Absolutely. Sure. And so, I mean, I love that show to death as a kid. And so when I sort of made that connection, I was like, oh, I mean, I, I get it. I don't have the affection for this from having watched it as a kid, but I... I know what it's like to watch something very similar to this. That's a very, very good point because my criticisms too go both ways, right? Because I think that's true, but also like, you know, the Green Ranger is trying to play a flute that looks like a sword through his helmet. There shouldn't be sound coming out. That's me nitpicking. But then that's the Super Friends is full of things like that. And I don't know if we're going to get to it or not, if I should hold this or not. But there's just there's things like when when uh, Mixie kidnaps Batman and Superman and it, he disorients Batman by having him hang upside down. And he goes, oh, no, I'm dizzy. I'm upside down. It's Batman. What are you doing? He's getting dizzy by hanging upside down. He's Batman. This is ridiculous. So, but yes, but that being said, again, as much as I can nitpick, the heart and the soul of both Power Rangers and Super Friends is something comforting and even inspiring in a way, right? So I do. I see both of those, both of our views being true, which is kind of, you kind of just Click that for me as well, too, by saying that, I think. It, it really unlocked it for me. And uh, look, Superman is our primary focus here, though we'll, we'll obviously talk about the other characters, especially Batman and one key episode in particular. But, you know, this is a very, very simple, classic, quintessentially heroic take on Superman. He's yeah. Superman and he does what Superman does and... There's no real conflict internally within the team, anything like that. Great Scott, you know? Right? He just goes off mm -hmm. and, he, and he does what he needs to do. And, you know, is that necessarily the most interesting or compelling take, especially watching it as an adult? No, but I think it's, I think it's worthwhile to have those versions of the character out there. I don't know, Anthony. At that time. He, he wildly abuses time travel. Which we'll get to. I mean, like wildly. <laughs> Maybe that's why that was one of my favorites. But he just straight up just thought of himself and messed up the entire space-time continuum. It was some real flashpoint before flashpoint. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we will get to that for sure. But for a second, I just want to go back to the episode you mentioned, uh, the Mixie's, um, oh, I Mixie's me, Revenge, Anthony. right? It was killing me, Anthony. <laughs> when, he when he kidnaps Batman and Superman takes him to the fifth dimension, my favorite part about that episode, well, yeah, probably my favorite part about that episode is when Mixie shows Superman kryptonite and Superman's like, ha ha, we're in the fifth dimension. This doesn't work on me. And Mixie goes, yeah, but these green beans do. And he's like, ah, it was so funny. <laughs> it's absurd. And all kids hate their vegetables, I guess. That probably killed with like a bunch of kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that killed with a bunch of kids. It's preposterous. You know, I don't want to make this a theme because I said this when we, when we did the, uh, an episode on the Supergirl movie a little while back, but <laughs> again, I don't get high, but I feel like if you did, this show would be real fun to watch. Don't yeah, you think? One hundred percent, and I bet you, especially during the time period this came out, there's a big cross section of kids and probably like teenagers to young adults who probably both enjoyed this show very much. 
Yeah. Again, I, I, I like I said, I don't need, want to make this a theme or like I'm advocating it necessarily, but I just feel like that would take it to a whole Do other you, level. Sam. Do you? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, thinking about it in, in terms of Power Rangers really, like I said, just enhanced my appreciation of the show generally, but also what it meant to so many people. And one huge advantage I think that it does have over Power Rangers, Power Rangers really followed a very set formula. You knew the villain was going yeah. to grow and you knew the Rangers were going to summon their Zords. And at they most- They were going to be putties at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like at most, maybe the Megazord would run into some trouble and they would have to call in the Dragon Zord or, or Titanus and they would have to merge into Ultra Zord or something like that. But for yeah. the most part, even if that happened, you still know that that's in the cards. But with these episodes, it was like, you knew there was going to always be some out. But I, I mean, I don't know about you, but there were ones that I was like, I don't really know how this is going to shake out. A perfect example, the last episode that that I watched and the latest episode in the series, the second to last episode, the death of Superman. Obviously, yes. that was going to be on our list. <laughs> yep. And, you know, Superman seemingly dies from kryptonite poisoning. His body launched into the sun. It's a world without a Superman. And the super friends go to the fortress to clear it out. They don't waste any time, mind you. You know, the guy, know. this guy's body's barely even cold. And they're already- <laughs> it's like, I'm the executor of the will. <laughs> All these toys are mine now. It's great. But they go to the fortress. And the, the, the moment right before the act break, the commercial break, is Superman walking towards them. Now, yes, that's a great cliffhanger, by it, the way. I thought a, that was great. It's yeah. a great cliffhanger. Now, look, knowing pre-crisis Superman, I'm like, okay, a robot's going to be involved here. But- I didn't know. I said to myself, well, most likely the person walking forward is the robot. And that's what turned out to be the case. But I was like, well, maybe the robot was actually the one who seemingly died. And that was all a diversion. And he was programmed to mimic death. And Superman needed to hide. I didn't know for sure. And that's what made it interesting. I think that was my favorite Superman, Super Friends episode that we watched. I think that one did a really good job of telling a good cohesive narrative, but also like you're right, blending in those elements where you're kind of thinking like, hmm, I mean, we know he's going to be okay, right? That's not the trick. The trick is how you get there, right? And that, that figuring that out, I think, is is the fun of that episode. Yeah, no, that, that they did they did some good stuff. Like most art in general, and just like DC animation as it's gone over the years has gotten better. The Super Friends show uh, to the, the superpowers, to the galactic, to, to everything, I felt like got better as it went along as well, which I, I think you make a good point when we kind of were at the top of the top of the show here is that's, that's you know, usually how it goes, right? It's how it should be. Things get better with more time, practice, and adjustment. So I think the show does definitely improve as it goes along. Yes, and I think that's also one of the benefits of, being on for over a decade. Sure. And not only are the, are the the people involved learning and growing and getting better, but again, I think sensibilities change and I think you definitely see I don't know that there would have been an episode even called The Death of Superman in yeah. any of the 70s seasons, but as we get into the 80s and we can, you know, kind of shake it up a little bit more, you get that. So yeah, watching that evolution was fascinating. So, all right, let me lay out the episodes, and I'll do this as like a lightning round, so I don't want to bore people, but I want to let them know what we watch. And also, sure. so for anyone curious about how we made these selections, um, once again, I went to Wikipedia, <laughs> greatest thing in the world, and I looked up- Anybody can edit it. Anyone, anyone yeah, can write anyone. anything, so yeah. you know you're getting the best possible information. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes. So, I, I read through all the episode descriptions. And I, you know, made note of all of the ones that seemed the most Superman centric. 
since this is ultimately a Superman podcast. And I feel pretty confident, you know, as we go through the list, listeners, if there's something that you're like, wow, I can't believe you guys didn't cover that, please let me know. Okay, this is me cutting into the recording from the future for just a moment here. After Jeremy and I spoke, I actually came across a relevant season one episode that we missed called The Planet Splitter. See, for all of our joking about Wikipedia, it actually did let us down in this one respect. So season one, The Planet Splitter, the premise is that there is a scientist who's looking to crack open this other planet in order to obtain its resources. And at a certain point along the way of this 45-minute season one episode, Wendy and Marvin recount to the scientist the origin of Superman. And so you get to see unfold in animated form on screen Superman's origin, the destruction of Krypton, Kal-El's arrival in Smallville, and his adoption by the Kents. So it's always cool to see the origin unfold. Notably, this is the first animated appearance of Jor-El and Lara, which is noteworthy. And what I was particularly struck by, what I really found interesting was, during the part of the proceedings where poor Jor-El, this poor guy, can never catch a break, is trying to convince the council to build spaceships to get the people off of Krypton, it turns out that the council is opposed to the idea of interstellar travel generally, because apparently at some point in the past, they were challenged. And the idea was that those who challenged them tried to usurp their authority by exiling them into space via spacecraft. So that's why they're so opposed to this idea of building a fleet of spaceships, uh, which I thought was, was an interesting piece of this. So in any event, I'm sorry that we missed the planet splitter uh, in our discussion here, but there's so much for us to cover. Thank you for, for uh, indulging me in this brief interruption. And now back to the show. I even watched a few extra here and there, um, and if there's an opportunity, I'll, I'll mention those. And then you and I did also throw in the episode, uh, the, the fear that uh, retold Batman's origin in, in the show, which was fascinating to watch. Loved it. Uh, so, you know, reading through all the descriptions, like I said, I didn't include anything from seasons one or two. And reading more about those seasons, primarily in those, in those first couple of years, the Super Friends were always fighting you know, like aliens or mad scientists or there were yep. natural disasters. They didn't really tap into the the larger cast of the DC universe. So none of those episodes made it in. And I, I put on the pilot episode just to just to kind of watch it. And yeah, it was pretty slow going. And those those first season episodes were an hour long. I mean, 40 minutes without commercials, but they were long. That's long. That is long. I think the show is at its best when, well, I shouldn't say that because I did really enjoy the death of Superman and the, uh, the Batman centric episode we saw. I love those, but I think those two aside, I felt like some of my favorite moments were the ones that were labeled on our wonderful spreadsheet that said uh, segment. Yeah. When you can get those quick little eight to 10 minute hits of like a concise little story. I thought some of those actually ended up being my favorites in that format. Dude, same. And that was one of the other things that I was surprised by was the variety in terms of length and structure of these episodes. Cause like I said, at least the first season, they were hour long episodes and yeah. And then they shifted to half hour episodes. And over the course of the series, it changed. Sometimes it was, you know, one story told over the half hour, you know, split into, you know, two with an act break, but still it was one story over two episodes. And then other times there were either two or three segments. And, and I'm with you, especially for a show like this with its simpler sensibilities and slower pacing and all of that. I really did come to appreciate an eight or 10 minute, you know, yeah. hit there as opposed one to of my, 20 minutes. One of my favorite, my wife and I, both of our, one of our favorite shows of all time is Adventure Time. 
I don't know if you or anybody who listens has any. If you if we have any adventure fan, adventure time fans who listen to the podcast, please shout me out. Let me know. Once we got married, the song, the first song that played when we got married was the end credits to Adventure Time because to this day that's the show that always plays when we're going to bed. We want something peaceful and happy. That show is a half hour show, but it's split up into two. It works out to be 10 to 12 minute episodes and those formats in the hands of a good storyteller can be so precise and impactful. I think maybe that's also why I gravitated towards those segments, because when you, when you have that time constraint, it really forces something magical to happen. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, okay. So I selected the episodes that were most Superman centric or segments from episodes Yes, And then I, we further divided them into buckets, very much akin to what we did with Superman, the animated series. So we have a category for Bizarro and Mixy episodes. We're not calling them mixtapes though this time. We're calling them buckets. Well, but well, this whole episode is, I guess, a mixtape. I don't know how That's you want to call this. Uh, That's true. <laughs> oh, speaking of Mixy, oh, big pet peeve I had. It's Mix Yespitalik. Yeah, and so I was going to... Yes, I was going to just defer to you as the resident expert, but if there's one thing I learned, they weren't doing that right, correct? I, look, I don't know the entire history of the pronunciation of this. I know sure, certainly sure, sure, sure. by the time we got to the animated series with the, the sadly, the late Gilbert Godfrey oh, voicing. I, and I'm, I'm holding up a, a glass right now. Yes, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. I messaged Anthony right away as soon as I heard that news after our, our mixtape journey on that. So rest in peace. What a tremendous talent. Absolutely. I, I echo that. And in that episode, famously in that Superman, the animated series episode, he goes through this whole bit explaining the pronunciation, mix you yes. mm-hmm. And so that's always how I've said it and how I've heard it said in subsequent uh, iterations. But on this show, they go with Mixelplik, which I've heard other comic book fans say, and I've always, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but bear with me here, but I've always kind <laughs> looked at that as like i don't know the poor man's pronunciation is like you know <laughs> or were, were those fans maybe older than we are did they learn it from the super friends well that's what i'm saying i think i have right? to i have to amend what what i had felt previously because i was always like oh you're missing the missing the point here but i, I think you're right i think if especially if you grew up watching this i totally understand yeah. why you would say mixel plick so anyway but it was so jarring to to, to keep hearing yes. that I'm like that's not how you say it <laughs> and we had a, we had that whole beautiful, I mean, a bunch of episodes, about one episode in particular in Superman, the animated series, where he goes through that whole rant, like you mentioned, too, which I actually wonder now, was that a, a, a little bit of a nod or a shot to this show, too, now that I'm thinking of it? Maybe. And then we also have buckets for <laughs> Dark Side. Lex. Buckets, it's just not as sexy as mixtapes, you know? I know, buckets. Mixed, I know, you're right. But what, what the other thing that was interesting, again, how these how these tellings echo each other was... Yes. Was the fact that we basically created the same the same categories as we had before. And yeah, I, I yeah. was shocked but pleasantly surprised too that the marriage of Mixie and Bizarro is was alive and well decades before we got to it. I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. What a nice thread that kind of connects both of these shows that they are so intertwined in this series as well. I thought that was awesome. I've been so excited to talk to you about that. Yeah, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by that too. I was like, oh, they line up in very much the same way. Yep. Even, you know, when we get to the, the Dark Side episodes, you know, Dark Side looms very large in the last couple of seasons of the yes. show. Yep. And in those last couple of seasons, 
uh, you know, superpowers was now, they were now the superpowers team. And that was reflected these, in the title. These name changes, they, they kill me though, Anthony, they do. It's just constant name changes. It just, it hurts me, but it was bad enough in the beginning with the flip flops between the super friends and the justice league. It's just like, you know, choose one and let's just, let's go down that road. I'm sure there's a behind the scenes reason uh, for that, that I'm going to, I'd be very interested to learn what that reason is, but I just starting from there and then just the later seasons just changing and rebranding and rebranding. It was a, uh, it was a lot. And the names got less and less catchy. I feel like as we went along, I oh, didn't love galactic guardians, <laughs> but we already, it, it reminds me of Peter Quill. When I hear that, it's, <laughs> that's going to be no good for them. We don't want that. That's the other team. What if, what are we doing here? But it's like this, it's like power Rangers. I mean, you know, I don't know how far you watched on and this. Don't, I think we'll, there will be a Power Rangers podcast at some point. I was so just going to say, surprise, this is the backdoor <laughs> pilot for the Power Rangers podcast. <laughs> but with Power Rangers, you know, the first few seasons were Mighty Morphin, and then it was Zeo, and that's when I stopped. I stopped with Zeo, during Zeo. But then after that, it was kind of like every year it became something else. So, like I said, it's just another parallel between Super You're Friends and Power Rangers. Absolutely right. An angle I hadn't considered. Oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. As far as the, the names, though, so I'm not, I don't know if this was from Wikipedia <laughs> or elsewhere, but I think, I think with Super Friends, A, I, I mean, it is more kid friendly. So maybe that had a lot to do with it as opposed to sure. why they didn't go with Justice League of America. I mean, when you look at their communicators, they say JLA on them. So it's not that, like that. That killed me though. It's like, why have both though? Like there had to have been some kind of internal struggle, right? And this was their compromise. I don't know, but it certainly seems like that would be the only explanation for this, right? I, I mean, I think one of the things I read somewhere was, you know, especially in the the, the, the post-Vietnam era, there was a little bit of wariness about leaning so heavily into the America of it. So maybe that. Wow, that's a good angle I hadn't considered. Yeah, you know, so I'm I'm not uh, I'm not uh, positive uh, about what went on behind the scenes with this um, this Hanna Barbera production, but in any event. Uh, so let me just run through the episodes so people know what we watch. So again, some of these are segments and some of these are entire episodes. Uh, so Revenge of Bizarro, when Bizarro turns the Justice League members into Bizarros and uses red kryptonite on Superman. Bizarro World, when Superman and Black Vulcan are stranded on Bizarro World. And again, red kryptonite comes into play. How about that? Mixel Plicks Revenge is going to drive me nuts. I'm just going to say Mixie because that's less offensive to me. That's what I've been doing to keep the peace in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. That's my way of being neutral like Switzerland here. <laughs> it's also easier to type, you know, because yeah, sure. <laughs> as I'm looking at my list here. So uh, yeah, Mixie's Revenge, the one we talked about before when Batman and Superman are trapped in the fifth dimension. The Bizarro Superpowers team where Bizarro and Mixie team up and create Bizarro copies of the Justice League. Uh, in our Krypton category, Rokan enemy from space. <laughs> this Kryptonian pterodactyl that You're really uh, going to make me start with with the Super Friends versus Puff the Magic Dragon, Anthony. That's really where we started with here, huh? I know, I know. Uh, Terror from the Phantom Zone, where we have three Phantom Zone villains, not Zod, Non, and Ursa, but again, not another similarity. Always. Right? It's never them. Amazing. I know. And anyway, they escape the Phantom Zone. They use red kryptonite on Superman. It turns him into an old man. Uh, the evil from Krypton. We get another Phantom Zone escapee who's General Zod in all but name. And uh, We've seen that before too, kind of, haven't we? We sure have. And he turns the sun red. Uh, the Krypton Syndrome, that's the time travel one where Superman yes. prevents the dis destruction of Krypton, not realizing that there might be some... Uh, repercussions. We'll go back to all of these. I don't. I don't mean to make it sound like this is. <laughs> I'm exhausting the discussion here. I just wanna. I just wanna lay them out for everybody. Uh, and then Return of the Phantoms, when the three 
uh, villains escape, yeah. and this time they go to the past and they try to kill Superboy. Very interesting. All right, now I know the- you love that one, Anthony. I know that was if there's one thing you love, it's just Superboy flying around Smallville. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. By the time this podcast series is over, I'm gonna love Superboy one way or the other. <laughs> I love the determination. I'm gonna love to see it. Gonna love it. All right. So the dark side, the dark side category here, the wrath of Brainiac, Brainiac and dark side team up, no honor among thieves, Luther and dark side team up, dark side's golden trap. He tries to use gold kryptonite on Superman. I like this episode and the death of Superman, which we talked about. Yes. Then in our Lex category, oh, we got a lot to talk about with Lex wanted the super friends. This was the first episode of challenge of the super friends featuring the Legion of doom. This was a Mm -hmm. key episode. Luther creates this dream machine that allows him to control the the super friends while they're sleeping and they commit crimes. It's great. Um, history of doom, real fascinating one. Very interesting. This post-apocalyptic world uh, earth, uh, that aliens visit. And then they watch the memory tapes to see what happens. And they, what a great cold open on that one. So good. It was so good. And we get to see the origins of a number of Legion of doom members, particularly Lex and, uh, Lex Luther strikes back where Lex escapes from prison and turns to sun red. And this was a Lex very much in the mold in a lot of ways of the Gene Hackman version from Superman the movie. So you get to see now how that's starting to influence the cartoon. Fascinating. And then I I call this a Superman category, but I mean, they're all Superman episodes, but I didn't quite have a a different category for these, but universe of evil where Superman switches places with his evil counterpart from an alternate universe. And one small step for Superman where this, this young boy can't walk, doesn't think he'll ever walk. And, Superman, you know, basically creates an opportunity where the boy has to walk in order to save Superman. And that's what allows him to break through. You gave the summary to that episode much more positively than I was going to. (laughs) Mine was going to be Superman lies to child for the greater good. (laughs) But yes, I guess that's also accurate. So that's the that's the lightning round of what we covered. And after this commercial break, we will break it all down. So we'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State 
and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. Aw Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Skokie, Illinois, Muncie, Indiana, or Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop. If you have kids and are looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh, yeah. And we're back. You know, one thing that I always love to ask you in particular as an actor, as a performer, is about the vocal performances in these animated series. So I'm just curious with Super Friends, just, you know, generally or specifically, what stood out to you? So it's so funny because obviously I'm not as well versed in uh, the the stars and the notable names of that time period as I would be, you know, the area we grew up in or now or, or anything of that. But I was thought it was so cool that Casey Kasem did the voice of Robin. And I always, you know, we always make the jokes, holy, you know, so-and-so Batman, you know, again and again. I never really put two and two together. That was Casey Kasem doing this, who I know from obviously, you know, just the radio and DJing and a variety of things. So I thought that was really a a kind of a a cool connection. And even as of an era as that was, I even thought his little uh, enthusiasm, uh, like we talked about earlier, there are definitely two different types of, of super friend, right? The adults and the teenagers, at least with Casey Kasem's performance, it was something different. Right. When he brought a certain energy to it, which I thought was kind of kind of cool. And, you know, I'm going to shout out. I feel like the Superman podcast, we're shouting out Batman a lot in this one. But um, Adam West, who I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I actually met at uh, an Apple Con in New York uh, when I was in college, probably 10, close to 15 years ago. Um, He couldn't have been nicer. He called me Smallville. He made that that, that nice joke, which I thought you would appreciate because he knew I was a big fan of everything. uh, And then that genre and was acting all buddy, buddy, great guy, class act. It's so cool to see him in this role, especially in that Scarecrow centric crime alley episode that we talked about and something a little more serious with a little more gravitas. Cause when we always think of Adam West Batman, at least for me, I think of the bat to and the giant bombs and the cartoonish. So I thought it was cool that he not only got to continue doing this role. I didn't really fully appreciate or understand how long he was Batman for. If you really think about it. And I thought that was such a cool and wonderful performance and to see it kind of get a little more nuanced uh, ever so slightly as time went on as well. So if I'm not mistaken, he did not do the voice of Batman throughout Super Friends. I think no, he just came, he came in yeah, later, yeah. right? Yep. But but yeah, no, exactly to your point, the fact that, you know, he was able to come back and, you know, yeah. get that break in between, you know, continue on. So cool. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is certainly with Batman and Robin, they're very much the Batman and Robin that audiences would be familiar with from, sure. you know, from the Adam West TV show, which again, I know that's another one of those things that for a certain generation, that's a... Yeah. huge and a, and, a, and an entry point into the character for a lot of people with even with all of the campiness i know there's a lot of love Cesar there. romero man come on yeah i mean i'll be honest it never it's just never been a part of my fandom so that doesn't necessarily do much for me but again i, I can still appreciate it and i believe danny dark was the actor who voiced superman 
throughout the run. And yes. again, just a very, you know, very classic, like quintessential. Yeah, he was fine. Take it, it's, he, sadly, yeah, like the classic Superman voice is uh, if we were to put a bow on it. Right. We mentioned now a couple of times the, the, the teen character. So, of course, there's Robin. And, you know, so when we talk about the changing lineups, sort of the core group is always Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. And then other yes. characters come and go throughout the life of the show. And, you know, pretty much at every point along the way, there's some you know, younger hero teen contingent. Mm -hmm. Now we bypassed the Wendy and Marvin years, and I don't believe they were particularly well received. (laughs) You know, my dog is one of my dogs is named Marvin sidebar. I I can't claim it's after that, but fun (laughs) fun fact for anybody listening at home. Now that I will ever think of him as a wonder twin because of this experience. So, and then we get to the wonder twins who were there for, you know, a good bunch of the episodes we watched you know, generally, what was your take on the Wonder Twins? Were they, did you find them annoying? Were they charming? Was it just sort of like par for the I, so course? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm really trying not to have such like a good cop, bad cop routine here with you and me with, with this whole thing. There is a lot that I really came to enjoy and respect. Like I said, I think I made that clear enough at the top of that. The Wonder Twins in the show is not one of them. It was too much. It was just straight up too much for me and not even sure it's of an era it's campiness it's silly they're supposed to laugh at it sure it just was so nonsensical and i thought it just even like their powers to me are never clearly defined right like they put their rings together and like one can only make ice and one can only make animals is that it like i I don't even understand and why is the monkey there it's not a monkey it's an alien gleek's an alien yeah it just was so if they this is gonna sound silly because i'm saying i don't i dislike them Right. But if they just gave us like us, not even an episode, like an eight to 10 minute segment, maybe, maybe there is one there. We didn't watch all of them. Right. I'm, maybe there was for all I know there is. If I watched something that helped me explain and understand them a little better, maybe that would help. But based on how we watched through our buckets, if you will, that I just, I, I, I could not, I could not care less about, about the, about the two of them. If it, I felt like they never really contributed anything of major significance to the story, except for showing up to maybe run interference once in a while while a fight was going on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, especially for the episodes we watched. And maybe there's some Wonder Twins gold out there that we missed. I I would be and surprised. Let us know, please. I, 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 I want to enjoy everything and appreciate everything. So if there is something we missed in any medium about the Wonder Twins, shout us out on social media. Let us know, because I, I would be interested to turn this page around for something because this just didn't do it for me. I hear you. I I wouldn't go so far as to be like totally good cop on this. I, I guess I didn't find them as grating as maybe others would or as I even expected to. I was just sort of like, all right, like I, I get the shtick. I, I, what's funny though is that it's, they feel so unnecessary. It's like, it's such a kid-friendly show to begin with. Right. And Robin's there. It's like, I don't know that we necessarily What need. do we need? The kids are already relating to everything. We don't need... <laughs> It's just not necessary. I think that was more my takeaway than anything else. You know, in recent years, they did they did the Wonder Twins series at DC. I didn't read it, but this was, I think, when, when Bendis did his whole, um, I think it was like the Wonder Comics imprint that he had at DC, and there were there was Young Justice, and then there was Wonder Twins, and there was an adaptation of them in Smallville. Do you remember? From, I think it was season nine. Yes, vaguely, but yes, I do remember them popping up. Yeah, with Simon Camden from Seventh Heaven. He played uh, Zan. How about that? Keeping it in the family over there for the WB, right? Yeah. 
so I mean, honestly, that was one of my main exposures to the characters was through that. Again, not the most memorable <laughs> Smallville episode, but they they did you know they they did do a version of them. It's one of those things I wonder for you and me in particular, and you especially. I, I like I like the play on words you just did there too. But go on. Ah uh, yes, <laughs> but I I, I question <laughs> whether, like, let's say this movie is really good. Sure. Right. I wonder, I can't get away from it. I wonder if then you would go back and, and watch these and feel differently, right? If, if that's able to create, you know, something compelling for you that allows you to sort of like latch onto the characters in a more significant way. I don't, I don't think it, at least for me, I don't think it would. I think yeah. I'd be like, oh, whew, they finally figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of like a relief is what I would feel. Fair um, enough. And I now the Wonder that. Twin fans are going to come from my head, but that's fine. I, I'm prepared. I'm ready. But I, I just, I, I would love to know if there's anything I'm missing. Please let me know. I, I'm legitimately curious and interested to, I want my opinion changed. There you go. But nicely, people. Remember, nicely. That's right. So I, I, the other thing is, we're talking about the younger characters. I definitely was much more a fan of, in the, in the final seasons, we had Cyborg and Firestorm. So we yes. had- younger characters but from the dc universe and not played for laughs they weren't That's comedy relief com- the big relief. difference yeah yep now one huge gripe though <laughs> what the hell are firestorm's powers in this show anthony <laughs> a- anthony it might as well just be like he's magic it, they might yeah. as well have just said that he's just, and we both know, at least to some degree, I'm not a fire firestorm expert, but like he transmutes chemicals using uh, scientific properties. That's part of the whole thing where in some iterations where he's um, spliced with professor Stein or whoever it may be. Right. Like that's why that's so interesting because they're using that power of knowledge, which I think is really cool to be honest with you. That's a cool angle, but this is just like, he's just turning things into different things, left, right, and center. He's going intangible. He's just, it's its crazy. I, I don't know what his powers are supposed to be. So you're right. The way it plays in most of the episodes we watched with him, it seems like he can transform anything into anything. Yeah. And it really does feel like it's- Matter transmutation is what they would call it, right? Right. And it really yeah. feels like it's more magic-based than science because I, yeah. I agree with you, certainly- you know, in the, in the comics, the whole idea, like you said, is that he is formulating these chemical equations. Like he needs to know the compounds that he's changing. Which is, which, is, which is a great also message, I think, and would have been a great message for kids that knowledge is power as well, too. You think that would have been a layup, right? Hey, look, he knows his, he studied hard. He knows his chemistry. And now look at him kicking butt all across the DC universe, right? Now, I was getting very curious about this. So I actually watched, though it wasn't on our list, but I watched the first episode that he appears in. Okay. And it's, I think it's the second to last season. Oh, quick side note. We haven't really been talking about the season numbers, so this isn't really a huge deal, but I think it was the 78, 79 season. I'm not hundred percent, but I think that was the season where there were basically two versions of super friends that were aired together and challenge of the super friends with the Legion of doom was the second half on HBO max. They split them into mm-hmm. seasons three and four. So I think if you look under most listings of the show, including Wikipedia, you'll find nine seasons or series, really, since they had different titles. But anyway, nine seasons. But on HBO and Max, there are 10. And I don't think we mentioned this yet, but for anybody listening, they're all all 10, like you just said, are on HBO Max. So if you were expecting a 2B plug, sorry. But this one, uh, credit goes to HBO Max. They are all on there. So it's uh, if you have HBO Max, you have access to go check out what we're talking about right now. Yeah, HBO Max, just like Tubi, not a sponsor of this podcast. But look, 
I dump on the DC app a lot because there's a, there's significant gaps that are really DC unaccounted. infinite. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really living up to that name there. Yeah. Right. No kidding. But I really feel like there are unacceptable gaps, especially lo- looking at the, you know, the, the, the characters that we're talking about here and, mm-hmm. and the large gaps and the history, all that. However, credit where credit's due on HBO Max. Yeah, they do have all of them. And that in large part inspired this. I think I was browsing around the DC hub on HBO Max and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like they're all there. Uh, and that sort of got me. And I was, I was, you know, scrolling through all of them. And that's in large part what kind of sparked this. So yeah, credit to HBO Max. They're all Shout there. Out to, I, I, I'm not on their payroll, but I'm, I'm a big fan of HBO Max. There's a lot of great stuff on there. Exactly. So, so again, if you go on HBO Max, there are 10 seasons. That's how they're broken down there. But again, most listings have, um, you know, have, have nine listed. But so I did watch the first episode that introduced Firestorm. One thing that's cool about that episode is you get, it's one of the, one of the only instances, there are a couple, uh, where you actually see Clark Kent. He's with Lois and they're down on the street and I think the Daily Planet globe is falling and he excuses himself to go save it, but then Firestorm shows up and transforms the, the globe into like a tiny balloon. But Science. But Typical they science. Give, they do know? give his origin and they do explain that he is spliced. He and Professor Stein do merge to form Firestorm and they do... They do state that, you know, they are engaging in the scientific calculation. So it's there, but I don't, you know. Where's, the, where's Professor? I didn't see Professor Stein in any of the stuff that we saw, though, right? On our official watch list. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's one other time, but I think that might have been another bonus episode that I watched. I think there's like one Got other it. time where you see, you know, with the head, like that he's, yes. you know, that he's, yeah, yeah. That he's having the conversation with. but. Again, it's it's very rare. Like like you said, in the, in the, the Superman centric ones that we watched with Firestorm, it's just Firestorm. You don't get the sense that that Professor Stein is in there. And again, even even when he is, not that I'm expecting them to get so specific with the science, but it just felt like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, somebody please tell me what the scientific equation is to turn like that giant metal daily planet globe into a balloon. I would love to hear what that 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 chemical and scientific processes yeah Yeah, it just felt too much you know like it's too easy of an out in a show that is no stranger to a deus ex machina it's like this was too much their mo yeah right you know but in any event so we we do see this evolution this progression of the, the the teen the younger the younger characters and i think from you know wendy and marvin to the wonder twins to cyborg and firestorm we do get a nice improvement along the way yeah oh definitely and you know i'm a, a well-established uh big titans fan as well too so i was super happy to see cyborg in there that original outfit though is something huh he's come a long way with the, with the outfits over the years i guess as so many characters have and just jumping back to the voices for a second ted knight as the as the narrator and yes. the, the classic iconic yeah. meanwhile at the hall of justice I always, I always love him from Caddyshack. Uh, I know he's been in a, a million different things as well too. But yes, that's a good call as well too. Ted Knight, somebody who we're both aware of too, doing that iconic narration. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, it's, it's, it's so iconic. That's probably what I'm going to title this episode. But it's just so funny because it's so unnecessary. But it's yeah. just a part of the show. It's like they're yeah, like, showing you the Hall of Justice. We know, like, what else could that be? <laughs> what else could that building possibly be? It's not Sears. You know, like, we know what it is. But it's so much like, the, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, like Silver Age in particular you've read, but it's so like that where they would show you what's happening and the character would say what's happening and the caption would explain what's happening. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's perfect. Check, 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 check. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the animation, I, I mean, what was your take on it generally? I mean, it it certainly... Well, what was your take? 
I thought for for uh, the time period and the era, I thought it was fine. I thought it was completely fine. I will say this, and I feel like we I, I keep going back to Batman on the Superman podcast. I apologize, but uh, I love, especially in the later seasons, when we get to that more of that iconic '80s Batman look. I thought he looked dynamite. I really, really did. I thought he looked like a, a million bucks. But overall, I'd say it was fine. I mean, they did the job of establishing that these looks are what you would find in the comics. And even Cyborg's look, that's his original look you'd find in the pages of Teen Titans or, or elsewhere of, of that time period. So it made sense. At least it was accurate. And you know, we always talk about this, that some of the, the main goals of these shows should also be to, to get people to go and pick up a comic book. And I think that's they deserve credit for that, at least as well, too. I thought it was fine. I didn't see anything too egregious. My this is going to sound probably a little unfair, but my bar was also very low for this because just you know it started in the seventies. I'm not, I know coming from Superman, the animated series. Like I'm not, I'm not making. It's not fair to make a comparison. It's not fair to make a comparison. So I'm not, I'm not here to give any cheap shots. I thought for the time period that it was it was perfectly fine. I didn't usually see something. That made me go, oh, that's, you know, usually that came from a choice <laughs> that was made uh, from the writing or or elsewhere. But no, I had no problem with the art style or the animation, really. I, I think I'm, I'm mostly with you. Yeah, as far as the animation itself, is it as dynamic or fluid as, you know, what we've gotten in, in more modern times? No, but it certainly works. It certainly works for what it is. And I will say, as far as the designs, I mean, these are very... You know, again, simple but clean and classic and colorful takes on the characters. And when you get to the point of the superpowers line, and and again in those later seasons, the 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 title of the show would reflect that that Kenner superpowers line of action figures to have yeah. that tie in. Yep. And I love that line so much. There, my chair is kind of blocking it, but uh, you know, I've got the ones that I have are, are on the table behind me. There, I have a lot of affection for that line of action figures, and you know, both the figures and. And, you know, and the designs from the show, I think, were really I, just I like have, classic takes. I'm going to go back on my, my word a little bit here and say I do have one major, major glaring complaint. About, and this is the only one I can think of, at least off the top of my head, egregiously. Where, dear listeners, Anthony, everybody, where are Hal Jordan's eyes when he's wearing the Green Lantern mask? Did you notice that his eyes were just skin colored? like flesh colored and there were no actual eyeballs when you were watching it. Oh, I didn't even clock that. I'll have to go back and look. And that was the one thing where I was just like, where are his eyes? Like, it, I don't understand. Like it was just really took me out of it whenever I saw that. That was the one thing I was like, something I think slipped by and post here maybe. But other than that, no, I didn't have a problem. Fair enough. <laughs> and we, you know, we talked about, and don't worry, we'll get into the specific episodes as we approach the hour mark here, but we're getting there. Yeah, well, they know what to expect from us by now. That's, how, that's how, we, how we go over here. But there are also a number of original creations. I mean, in addition to the Wonder Twins and the other sidekicks, but a number of original creations, Apache Chief, Samurai, Black Vulcan, and um, El Dorado, to, yep. you know, the, the main ones. I'm kind of of two minds, right? Because as I'm watching them, they hit a lot of the notes of a stereotypical depiction of members of those ethnicities. Yep. El Dorado yeah. in particular is calling everyone amigos, you know, left and right. Although they are the super friends and they call themselves friends, but nevertheless, it's, you know, very on the nose and, and that stereotypical depiction. But in fairness, because I do think the context is always important. And the fact that, and I want to get your take on this, but I think the fact that, 
decades ago. I mean, this is, the show is old at this point. Yeah. The, the fact that there was this effort to incorporate other characters, you know, from other ethnicities, I do think that was an admirable effort. I think in the execution, I think for the times, you know, that they sort of did the best that, that they could. I mean, I, you know, again, it, it definitely left something to be desired, but I thought that the fact that they even made that effort was commendable. What was your take? I am probably the whitest person any of you know. So I'm not from a position of authority or would I ever presume to have a conversation about how this affected the various um, groups of the time that they were attempting to represent. They were very broad strokes. And I know that sometimes unintentionally that can be hurtful to groups as well, too. And I don't want to dismiss that. And I want to just acknowledge that as well, too, that they certainly could have done better with our lenses here in 2022. To steal your line, that being said, I think you are right where an attempt was made. Maybe it wasn't the best attempt, but there was at least an attempt at inclusion. And I am not up on the the metrics of 70s uh, and early 80s cartoons and medias and television shows on all of them. But I would imagine that inclusion was not as pervasive as it is and should have been all along. So at least I think they deserve a cautious nod to say at least an attempt was made. However, again, I'm not a member of any of these groups. And even I sitting here uh, can see how those broad strokes can still be hurtful and harmful. Well said. I, I echo all of that. And I appreciate the nuance that, that you added there. I think you hit on a lot of really important points. But yeah, I mean, those were sort of the, the thoughts that I had as, as I was watching those. So, you know, kind of kind of an interesting wrinkle uh, with the show there. But OK, favorite episode. Of, especially of the Superman-centric ones. I know you love the the, the Batman origin episode, but of sure, the Superman sure. ones, what was the favorite? Death of Superman. Gotta be. It told the best. There were moments in other episodes that I might have enjoyed more, like a particular moment. But in terms of an overall intriguing story, I think I have to give the nod to uh, almost at the end of the run there, right? To Death of the Superman. Talk about our, our thesis on how it gets better as it goes along. I think that's a great example of that. Yes. I mean, you would think I would have had an episode, an, an answer ready to go here. That one is, no, I think I have a different answer. Although that one is up there for me. Look, anything called the death of Superman, I'm, I'm instantly going to gravitate that's, towards it. I'll lay up. Sure. Sure. And there's a lot of really good stuff. All right. So that's, that's definitely a contender. I, I think I know what, I think I know what yours is going to be, but I'm curious. I really liked Dark Side's Golden Trap. Oh, okay. I like okay. the gold kryptonite. That That's not what is, I think your number one's going to be. It's though. not the number one. I think it's not any of the Krypton episodes and it's not any of the bizarro mixy episodes. It's Tell not, me it's the one with the best cold open in the show, right? It's, Where it's at all. It's the, the far flung alternate universe. No, we it's, go back in time. No, it's not. I thought that was going to be your favorite. Really? That one's up there, but I actually think. No, I, Look, <laughs> like it matters. You got me at the edge of my seat here. I'm intrigued. I'm so intrigued. This is wonderful. And I like this. I like it. Like it really matters. But I think it's Lex Luthor strikes back. Really interesting. Or I, yeah, no, I think it's that one. Why? The you know what I thought. I don't know. If this is going to sound like much of a compliment, but you know what I thought of when I was watching it. Remember in Anchorman, 
when, bear with me, but when they have that big brawl with all the other newscasters and everything. That escalated quickly. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking as, as I was watching this, because it's like, you know, Lex escapes and he has this device that allows him to change his appearance and he uses it to lure the super friends into all of these death traps. And then he summons these sun beings who turn the sun red. And I was just like, and then they turn on him. And he, I was just like, this, this episode is it's so bananas. wild. Yeah, it, it is. It is bananas. You're right about that. And he and Superman needs the supermobile to stop them, and he's got the those rods that are able to uh, neutralize the the what's, sun. What's your favorite part of the supermobile, and why is it the arms that also have gloves on them for some reason <laughs> that come out of that shit? <laughs> I love. I never. I you know going back to the superpowers line. I have the super. I have two two of the Superman figures. One is still in its in its packaging. The other one is is open and missing a cape. I have the Clark Kent, which was a mail away. Uh, I've got, what do I have? I have a Desaad, a Brainiac, a Hawkman, a Flash, a Green Lantern, a Dr. Fate. I think that's it. I never had the Supermobile. See, I knew you were a Dr. Fate fan. I always, you know what I mean? I, I knew know. it. Deep down. Deep down. <laughs> but yeah, no, the Supermobile. I don't know. I, I really think, I kind of think that episode. I mean, I liked that. I, the history of Doom is, is definitely up there. And it, yeah. this was another thing that was so funny to me. And I, I, I wonder if you had a similar experience. I really thought that the Legion of Doom loomed much larger throughout the series of Super Friends and that it wasn't a one season thing. Uh, yes, I was surprised, but I also think the show is better for it. Oh, really? I think the show is better for it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it more because it was as close as this show gets to like those threads of continuity that I feel like we don't have, uh, which is one of the things that we loved so much about Superman, the animated series, right? Those threads of continuity, but it also adds more personal stakes, right? Because yes, it's the Legion of Doom versus the super friends or the superpowers or the Justice League or the Justice League of America, whatever you want to call them, whatever we're calling them that particular season they're already established relationships there. So to me, that's always more intriguing, right? Because there's more history and more stakes involved. So I at least appreciated that. Yeah, no, totally. But like I said, that was the thing that I was just surprised by. But I, I can see why that challenge of the Super Friends season uh, was was so, you know, so formative for so many fans uh, yeah. you know, watching this and why you see the Legion of Doom come back and in various forms. I mean, they weren't called the Legion of Doom and Justice League Unlimited, but that's effectively what they were. Same base and everything, right? That, exactly. The shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that conversation, by the way, uh, in, in this show and uh, Challenge of the Super Friends, I think it is, when they're debating like where to put their base and they're all like, and, and Lex is like, we'll put it in a swamp. It just, it, that killed me. Yeah. That really tickled me. It's like Sinestro, I think, is debating with him as well, too. Like, where are we going to put this base? He's like, we'll stick it in the swamp. Yeah. Uh, that made me laugh. It was great. Well, because they all wanted something a little bit different. So like, that right. was the compromise. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's a very Lex on brand thing, because in my mind, he's going like, all of you want to fight about it? I'm just going to go ahead and stick it in the swamp. The least favorite of the ones that we watched? Mm. Rokan? Yeah. Yeah. We started off rough, man. And and again, I keep going back to the thesis that it just gets better and better. I, I, oh boy, I got to be real careful with my words here because I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on it because it does get better. But I just, I struggle to find anything of real tangible merit that came from that episode. Right. 
And it also somehow accomplished the horrible task of like further complicating and I think diluting Krypton and Superman's history a little bit for no reason. Like, why are there dinosaurs flying around and stuff like that too? And like, it survived somehow and now it's come back here. It just was, it was too much. It was too much. And for what? And then the dinosaur is reproducing asexually and is laying eggs and Batman and Robin are fighting these babies. Is that ethical? I don't know. You know, it just the whole thing just was a mess, to be honest with you, I think. Yeah, that one that one was pretty rough. Although we were talking off mic, you know, my son, my two and a half year old son loves dinosaurs. So that that's one that I will show him. And, Who doesn't? Yeah, there you go. You know, and, and, and maybe he'll get something out of it. Yeah, that one was was pretty rough. Well, while we're talking Krypton, we touched on this before, but <laughs> the time travel, right? Superman gets gets sucked through this black hole. And he arrives at, at Krypton shortly before its destruction. And we get to see poor Jor-El, as he always is, pleading with the council. <laughs> That's a, a, a tragic but kind of cool consistency that we've seen because not only through animation, but you know, just from our journey of all of the origins of, uh, of Superman as well, too. That certainly is a constant. Are we being too hard on Superman, though, for not even considering that there might be some ramifications to the timeline <laughs> or or should it have at least crossed his mind <laughs> so here, here's the thing here's the thing i this is gonna sound like a silly nitpick maybe but i would have been okay with everything if he was just like i have to be careful like what happens here i could mess up the future like i need to be really really careful but then just have him be so overcome with emotion that he gives in and does it anyway we can all relate to that who's to say that we wouldn't do something similar in that position that's fine what we got instead was well i'm back I'm going to go ahead and just make things the way I want it. And that's where I think it rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, man, you have flash on the team. Like I just at least talk to him a little bit for a minute and just be like, Hey, what are the do's and don'ts here? You know, as I'm, as I'm time traveling and messing with the space time continuum. Yes, I agree. It, it, uh, you know, especially with all of the time travel stories we've seen, it, it's just like, Oh man, this seems like such a no brainer, but, you know, it, it was cool. It was really cool to see Krypton prior to its destruction and to see him there. Sure. I, I agree with you. It would have been, it just would have made the episode a lot more compelling if he, it even crossed his mind and he was, you know, made this decision like, well, no, it's, I have to save this entire planet. But, you know, you do have, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, sad when he has to go back and, and then undo the, yeah. the, 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 the save. So uh, that was one of the segments. Um, he also like he showed no emotion of being affected by it after too. He's just like, oh, for me, it was a lifetime. Yeah, and he just like smiles and goes away. It's like this is like is Superman like is he having a mental <laughs> breakdown here? Like is he okay? Like this is like some disassociation going on. I don't know if he's okay in that episode. Well, think about how many times he just went through a black hole. What the black That's, hole is four times, but you know, back and forth twice. Now see if that was the start of a whole arc of being like, guys, I think something's wrong with Superman. That would have been amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking here, of course. But yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I, I know. That's the thing. And and look, I, I know I'm sure we'll continue to do it. I think it's natural. But yes, we recognize this was, you know, made at a certain time for a certain yes, audience. Of but, course. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. It's still an interesting thought exercise because, you know, something like that. Yeah. I mean that probably would have been beyond the scope of what the show. You know, sure. Was, but at, at least give me that does does five to 10 seconds of him being conflicted about it. That would have made it so much better for me. That would have one of the things I think you and I talked about this off mic when we did our, our tech check a, a few weeks ago, but it was cool to see 
how much, certainly how, how many of the DC universe cast members they utilize, but also just elements yeah. of the DC universe. The fact that we get red and blue, of course, green gold kryptonite. We see the fortress of solitude. They're all there. It's all there, which is really, really cool. And you know, uh, that's also why Superman is the best lens. Obviously I'm in good company and agreeing with this here, but why I, this podcast is, is living, breathing proof of that Why Superman is the, the best lens, right. For the, the wider DC universe, because, you know, it, it starts with him and it kind of all connects and, and goes through him. And it, it's so cool. We see that reflected in the super friends because I would argue that more so than any other character. And again, we saw the Superman centric episode, so I'm not an authority, but I can't imagine any other character gets as many comic book shout outs based on what you just said alone. Right. Uh, which is kind of really, really cool to see. So they definitely did their homework and they were really trying to honor the source material. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, the, the varieties of kryptonite, the fortress seeing Krypton, yeah. The time travel to to Smallville to Superboy. Yep. You know, you you get you get a lot of that, which is which is really cool. And again, multiple members of the Superman Rogues Gallery. So yeah, yep. I I do think Superman gets more than his fair share of the spotlight. Uh and and I think is treated well on the show as far as, you know, everything that's sort of, you know, woven in there. So Yeah. That's a big that's a big positive. Of the we see Superman affected by red kryptonite a few times. Mm-hmm. We see when Bizarro uses it on him the first time, he, he grows extra arms and legs. Uh, on Bizarro World, it turns him into this weakling. The Phantom Zone criminals use it on him and makes him an old man. What was, what was your favorite of the red kryptonite takes? And I, I, will, I will counter that question with another question. <laughs> In the universe of the Super Friends, what does red kryptonite do? Something different I, every time. And see, I that that to me, even if it's of, of a different era, that question should have been posed to somebody somewhere. Bizarro world, it should have the opposite effect. I get that. I'm with you on that. That's fine. I'm cool and I'm with it. But that just that's that's storytelling, right? That's just to me, that's I don't want to say it's basic storytelling because it sounds like I'm really stomping on them here. But like it, just the fact that it does something different every time. It's like I just and it's so hard for me to be invested. And like you said, the show is notorious for his deus ex machinas. It's also notorious for their just quick magic MacGuffins. And that's kind of what this is. We need this to do. We need something to happen to Superman. How can we do it? Just bust out some red kryptonite, just bust out any kryptonite we got, just throw it at him and we'll just make it to grow extra arms and legs. Sure. It'll be an octopus Superman. Now, why not? Totally fine. And just a little things like that. If there was just some continuity, like it makes him old. Fine. Even if they just decided it was something silly, like growing the extra arms and legs, sure, fine. Just have it. It does that here, and then maybe in Bizarre World, he has no arms and legs. Like, I, you know, I don't know. But just the, the basic consistency was lacking. That really bothered me. It's it's funny. I I didn't mind it, and I feel like it's you might expect that it that it would bug me. But as I understand it, I think that's how the comics treated it too, pre crisis. Like whatever, sure. it was something different every time probably for me the most formative um take on red kryptonite in my fandom big surprise here is smallville where it removed you like his, that show eh, it's okay no. it's okay there you go <laughs> but you know there it, it removed his inhibitions made him bad boy clark every time so uh that's that's always what i have in my mind so it's definitely i, I don't 
disagree with you though, because I think that's infinitely more interesting than anything we saw here. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, that's the take on it. I prefer where it, 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 there is more consistency and that's the effect that it has. I, it, and it certainly lent itself very well to a lot of very fun episodes and moments on Smallville, but especially in the context of this animated series, I mean, yes, it's so convenient and, and, you know, but I don't know. I, I, it didn't bother me. And of the various ones, I'm hard pressed to say if I have a favorite, the one, <laughs> the one that was, I guess maybe the funniest to me was, when he's turned into the weakling on Bizarro World, and then oh, yes. apparently <laughs> the radiation through his cape is is able to turn it blue, right? That was the was that the that that was written four fifty nine on a Friday, I think, <laughs> is what happened there. With again, all all due respect, I I actually thought if I have to choose one, I think when he grows old, just because I thought that was like a surprisingly dark plan. Right, that like we're gonna keep you alive to watch you watch watch destroy everything you love and your planet, everything like that. Surprisingly dark for this show, like really kind of dastardly. It was now not to nitpick, but in that episode, well, no, in the Bizarro episode where he has the extra arms and legs, he's like, "Oh, this will just wear off in a few hours." Yeah, but in the one where he go he turns old, those effects do not reverse no, at all he this, has to go into space in the supermobile and get blue kryptonite with the robot arms with the gloves on him remind me but does the, he leave it there i think he does because i remember as i was watching he leaves it, it floating like, there like, yeah in the debris maybe you want to take this with you in case you run into red kryptonite again <laughs> i guess the reoccurring question i have throughout the show is is superman okay <laughs> is he okay is what i want to know <laughs> oh goodness gracious there's a room on that thing right just you know stick it in there have a little gloves hold it. Be fine. Yeah. Uh, and we also get, so we see the fortress in the, in that first Bizarro episode, but we also yep. see it in the, when the, the quote unquote general Zod escapes the phantom zone and turns the sun red and Superman needs the help of Aquaman and Green Lantern to, to uh, penetrate the fortress. So that, that was, that was cool. So I, you know, look, I love seeing the fortress. Uh, so I was happy to see that. Yeah, no, and again, that's just, uh, I think, further reaffirms what we've been saying about how much love Superman and his mythos and his history gets in this show. You know, we we see the fortress uh, a few times, at least in the episodes we saw. I'm, who knows if it even pops up again, but it definitely was prevalent, especially with, you know, it pays a big, big factor, as we already touched upon with the, the death of Superman episode as well. So it was cool to see. And we see Superboy twice in the episodes yeah. that we watch. I mean, in particular, what did you think of the uh, the origin of luther i i messaged you if you remember and i was like oh i missed it so a little inside baseball i messaged anthony the gift from back to the future which i also love of michael j fox going oh i've seen this one before it's a classic and uh, it's that same age-old story almost uh that you'd if you'd read comics or were aware from comics from uh, a certain era and of that age that you'd pick up on on right away you know even down to you know losing the hair and uh it did have that element that both you and I enjoy to an extent, right? Where like they did have uh, kind of like that existing relationship, which I thought was kind of cool and small as well. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a pretty cool nod to the history and everything that came before. Yeah, I was impressed by how how closely it stuck to the comic book story. I mean, the Silver Age origin of Luther that we yeah. get in Adventure Comics is, I mean, beat for beat, essentially what you get yeah. in that Super Friends cartoon. I mean, it's, you know... 
do I like that it all it all boils down to you know Luther blaming Superboy for his baldness? No, not necessarily, but but yeah, I agree with you. It's and look again, this whole idea of how the, these iterations build upon each other. You get to the Smallville TV show, and you have years of them yeah. having this great friendship that deteriorates. So, you know what you get in a few pages or a few minutes in this cartoon is a lot faster and, and more superficial, but it still has that bedrock of, yes. you know, Luther is a fan of Superboy and saves him from kryptonite. They forge that, this friendship. Yep. And that's the most devastating part of all, not the hair, right? When you see that he's like a huge fan of Superboy, that yeah. to me was the best part of that whole storytelling there, right? Yeah. Because that that's, you understand like why he's so hurt. Right. You know, that, that explains so much more than even just the hair. So I thought that was uh, it was cool. And you're right, it, it plants those seeds as well, too, to see it get further, uh, you know, in Smallville and uh, so many other different pieces of media and mediums as well, too, that relationship expanded and explored. So yeah, that was really cool. Yes. I mean, still to me, the weirdest part of this is that, you know, he has this whole shrine to Superboy and, you know, Superboy is very flattered by it, but I feel like a more appropriate reaction <laughs> would have been like, uh, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Oops. I'm needed. I'm needed somewhere across town. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's cool to see Luther in this series. And this is look, this is not the 90s evil businessman that, you know, we grew up on. But I I can totally get on board with this incarnation of Lex in the, you know, the 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 purple and green outfit. And then later the war suit in the in the episode where he teams up. I was going to mention that he has the war suit. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I don't know the exact date where that first made an appearance, like off the top of my head, of course. But uh, when I saw that, I was like, wow, there's something that's still being used in comics to this day, which is super cool to kind of see it on uh, on the show. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, that's actually the other figure that I have from the superpowers line of him in the war suit. And then that's awesome. Then you see it on the show. So you get that tie in there, but it's cool. And obviously you see him as the, the leader of the Legion of Doom. You get his origin. And there's one episode that I, I didn't include for us, but I did watch it. It was in the challenge of the Super Friends season where Luther <laughs> Luther's like, I've discovered the secret origins of the Super Friends. And then they use time travel to basically stop each of them from becoming who they are. Uh, so like they divert Superman's rocket to a, another planet that doesn't have a yellow sun. And uh, I like this. I like this so far. And L- I think I think it's Luther takes the place of Hal Jordan and gets transported to Abensor's ship. So ah. it's like, it's, yeah, Cheetah. Takes, that's, that's got legs. That's got legs. Yeah. Cheetah uh, is able to insert herself into the contest on on Paradise Island and become Wonder Woman instead of Diana. Of course. It was, you know, it was, it was a cool episode. And like I said, the clearly a standout for me was that... Um, you know, the Luther Strikes Back episode where he he really gets the spotlight there and escapes from prison and his lair looks just like his uh, his subterranean hideout from Superman the movie and he's got this sidekick. I think his name is Orville, but it's very clearly Otis. I miss Mercy, you know? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no Mercy, no Miss Tessmacher, I know. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I definitely enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed Luther on the show, I would say. Yeah. Me too. Overall, I appreciated him. And I, it's funny. I wonder if I would have appreciated him as much as I do now had I not been already many, many, many hours deep into research and podcasting with you and everything we've covered already too. But I definitely, I, I agree. I, I thought it was, a, especially of the time and of the era, I have no problem with that. And you know, that episode was bananas, but it wasn't bad. It was entertaining. And it showed it showed Lex, Luther, Lex Luthor's uh, delusions of grandeur and just like high 
huge concept thinking, which is always very interesting, if nothing else. Yeah, it, and it's not the only instance. We also see this in the No Honor Among Thieves segment where he teams yes. up with Darkseid and, you know, these instances where he makes these alliances, whether with those sun demons or, you know, or with Darkseid. And then he sun ends demons. up, you know, he ends up needing the help of the super friends. Yeah. And and is willing is willing to do that to, you know, so that so I Which yeah. we also see down the road too, in uh, some moments in Superman the animated series, you and I have talked about how we love that. When, you know, uh, Clark and Lex, uh, this, you know, obviously to a greater extent, the whole Super Friends, but when they are forced to work together is always extremely interesting. Yes. Can we talk about Darkseid? There's a very different take on Darkseid in this show. Yes, there there sure was. Again, I'm going to answer your your question with another question. <laughs> what was Darkseid's motivation to throughout mar- this show? To marry Wonder Woman. Like that's ridiculous and gross right yeah yeah like right that's ridiculous well it's even worse because so i watched this wasn't on our list but i watched the first episode that introduced dark side i think that was the same one that introduced firestorm it's blurring together so forgive me if i've if i've mixed anything up but that's when he first sets his sight on wonder woman and he creates this like personality altering machine to strip her of her free will I mean, dude, not cool, man. It's not cool. It's so like, obviously like that would never play now. Right. Right. So, right. But it was just, you know, look, I've read and watched a lot of dark side stories. Sure. And I can't think of any others and maybe you know, I haven't read and watched everything. So if maybe it's out there, but I, I, I'm hard pressed to think of anything else where romance, if you even want to call it, that is, is even in the equation for him. No pun intended. <laughs> right. Oh, but I like it. So it was so weird for that to be not even part of his motivation, but seemingly the motive. I mean, look, he still wants world domination and all that, but it was not so much about the anti-life equation. It was really about Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. It was so weird. And that uh, aside, yes, first and foremost, being gross and wrong and rightfully would not fly today. It just diminishes the character so much. Right. It just diminishes what's supposed to be this S tier of not just Superman, but DC crisis level villain. It just diminishes that character so incredibly much to me. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. However, I was was pleasantly surprised by two things uh, in fairness. One was Darkseid was not had not been around all that long when he made his super friends or superpowers is that at right? that point debut is that right when i don't uh, i'm gonna ask you to know a date off the top of your head but he when it was he was created i'm guessing early 1970s then 1970 yeah how about that look at that okay so i mean look we're talking about 14 15 years that's not nothing but at the same time it's not like oh he's been around for decades right so it was cool that he had already made the jump to you know to the small screen and in terms of the vocal performance and Though you know those he surrounded himself with, specifically Calabac and Desaad. I mean, it's some familiar faces for that, us. That's the thing. I mean, it didn't feel all that divorced from the. Modern I thought his version. voice was great. Yeah, as just as a sidebar, I thought his voice was fantastic in the show. Yeah, definitely very menacing. And you're right; he has the the usual suspects with him. It's just that that the whole Wonder Woman thing just really throws the whole thing off kilter. I know it was such a weird. It was such a weird choice. They're out there stealing Wonder Woman robots, you know, trying to trying to take them home. The whole thing is just messed up, man. 
I know. It's, uh, again, through a modern lens, certainly, but also just odd in that, as far as I know, I mean, it's just so removed from what we typically think of with Darkseid. I mean, I'd be curious as to how that was received back in the day. People probably didn't really that much of that an eye at that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But it's, uh, and again, it's of an era. That's one of the things that we uh, get painfully reminded of sometimes in watching the show. Yes. But I did, like I said, I really did like the the gold kryptonite episode. It was surprising to me that <laughs> they spent so much time at the auction. Yeah, like a lot of time at the auction. Yeah, so it's like this intergalactic underworld auction. And the, you know, the, 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 the big ticket item is a piece of gold kryptonite, which, as the characters know and we know, can strip Superman of his powers permanently, right? Famously, in whatever happened yep. to the Man of Tomorrow. That's right. Superman exposes himself to red to gold kryptonite and then lives secretly lives out uh, his life as, as a normal man with Lois and their, and their son. Uh, but yeah, mo- like so much that's really basically the first half, the first act of that episode is dark side getting his hands on the gold kryptonite. And then the second half is, is, you know, kind of this, this chase and I, I you know, a fun enough payoff where Batman and Superman switch places, right? So dark side thinks he's exposing Superman, but it's we've seen Batman. that one before too. Yeah, that's which right. is kind of fun, right? Kind of like a nod. It, it makes me really wonder, you know, I really feel like people are watching and paying attention to what's come before when I see these thematic kind of connections or different spins on things that we've seen before. So I thought it was cool. I also got like slight Ocean's Eleven vibes a little bit, which was kind of fun, right? They're all like, you know, trying to you know see what's going on with this auction. It definitely was a different tone uh, in a good way, I thought, to some of that episode than what we had seen before. Yes, I, I think I know the answer to this, but, you know, seeing that it really appears, like you said, that, the you know, the, the Bruce Tim, uh, you know, those who, the people who worked on the Bruce Tim shows clearly took some level of inspiration from, from what came before. Yeah. Like I said, I think I know the answer, but does it diminish your appreciation of the Timverse at all that you're like, Hey, like <laughs> all the stuff we thought they were coming up with, <laughs> maybe they just took their cues from what came before. Not at all, because, and again, I'm just going to be blunt and honest. They made it better. They, they made it better because you could go back and to the super friend show. I'm sure there are people who are just like, oh yeah, well in the comics, this happened and it was better than that. And when these things go on for as long as they did, it's, they're always going to be iterative of something at this point, right? It's how you can make it your own, how you can make it more nuanced, how you can maybe take that same scene or idea and approach it from a different angle. That we hadn't seen before. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't take away from it. Yeah, if anything, I think it just, um, like I said, it just gives you more, more of an understanding of how all of these things sort of flow yeah, into it's, each it's, other. To me, it's a nice nod of the cap. Yeah, a little bit too. You know, what'd you think of the Universe of Evil episode where Superman and and his evil counterparts switch places? Uh, it was, that might've been in a show with campiness. That might've been the most campy <laughs> one to me of the lot, just like seeing all of them in their outfits. And it's like, I didn't hate it. It was almost something that it was so silly to me at some points that it was like inoffensive. It crossed over to me being like, okay, I can at least see and appreciate like what we're going for here. You know, this is talk about uh, something that's uh, been done before and irritative, like so many times in the comics and everything else, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, evil doppelganger trope, of course, but 
Yeah. I mean, it's fine when they're like, oh, why is your outfit so strange? I was going to ask you the same thing. Like it's, it's, it's silly, but maybe it's because I've seen it so many times before and I understand immediately what's happening. I at least have some base level of appreciation for what they tried to do. I thought it was very campy. I thought it was very silly at some points, but I at least appreciate what they were going for. Right. Yeah. I mean, it calls to mind the Brave New Metropolis episode from Superman the Animated Series. There you go. That's exactly right. Which again, you know, better. <laughs> what What actually, I don't know if impressed is the right word, but I thought it was cool how that episode ends on this note of, you know, Superman made this promise to the scientist who helped him get back to his earth that, you know, he would save them from the tyranny of the evil super friends, right? And and so it ends with him basically telling the super friends, like, we have to go help these people. And that's how the episode ends. And there's never any follow-up to that. But I thought, which, I don't know, maybe you could look at it as a failing, but I, I, I thought it was kind of cool that it's like, okay, we know that there's going to be this further adventure. We're not necessarily going on it with them, but you know, it was one of the only ones I can think of where it wasn't like everything wasn't totally wrapped up in a little bow. Yes. So and I, I, I was about to, to, to hit more negative on that, but when you frame it like that, I actually think that is a completely fair point, right? Because I think that we, I don't like when things happen off camera, off panel, off screen. I want to experience them. I want to be there on the journey, but there is something to be said in a show that is notorious for wrapping things up in a nice little bow that this isn't, that's a little bit more like real life, right? There are always loose ends. There's always something else to do. Were they successful? Are they still to this day trying to save those scientists? So I think that's definitely very noteworthy uh, from that perspective. Yeah. I think that, you know, that more than anything in that episode stood out to me where I was like, Oh, that's kind of a different way to end, I wouldn't necessarily expect that, especially based on what what had come before. So, you know, I, I I was cool with that. The the one small step for Superman where he helps the child. Yeah, you were less enamored with that one. I I just you people who have listened to us for a while now are going to be probably remember me saying this, but I'm always a fan of asking who is this for? <laughs> <laughs> who is this? Who is this episode for exactly? I just don't understand what we accomplished here. I think the attempt was, I think the attempt was that Superman inspires this kid, despite his best efforts to conquer, not his physical limitations, but his deep seated mental and emotional limitations. But to me, it seems like he just created this elaborate ruse to lie to a child. And I just, I always think of scenes that, that bring out the best in Superman where maybe he's talking to somebody who's uh, standing outside of a ledge of a window thinking about jumping and he flies up there and he just sits. And of course I'm, I'm paraphrasing here and broad stroking, but you know, Hey, you want to talk? That's Superman to me. Not this, not creating this, this whole ruse and going to his friends after being like, see, huh? wink, wink. He can walk the whole time. He's got to throw a giant robot at him. Also, there's no way he could have known that would have worked. That kid could have died. And again, my question of the episode, is Superman okay <laughs> in the Super Friends? Is he okay? That black hole really did a number on him, I think. I know. I feel like there's this like whole whole take on the show that we could have where it's like if you really look at it through this different lens of Superman really maybe not being okay, like how that yeah. would color all of the episodes. This is a, an injustice. Uh uh prequel right <laughs> is oh, what this is slowly turning out to be 
What other episodes or aspects of the show haven't we hit on yet that that you wanted to? It sounds like I'm I'm being uh, primarily negative on it. And that, again, I want to just remind everybody that there is there is a lot to like. I it, you kind of hit the nail on the head right at the beginning when you said that in terms of like the adult heroes, like their personalities are for the most part interchangeable. Uh, we see a little more with Batman in that episode that we we both enjoyed certainly, but I still think to me there was something so cool on a fundamental, simplest level of seeing Green Lantern, Aquaman, not just Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but seeing all these heroes together, right? It's why we love Justice League and Justice League Unlimited so much, right? That we see that they're part of this larger world. So I think that alone is just a a tremendous positive. I was psyched to see Green Lantern in there. I thought that was really cool as well, too. I feel like he doesn't have a lot to do in the episodes we watched, uh, necessarily. Usually he's swooping in and doing crowd control, I feel like, but it was still cool to have him there. You know, it was cool to have all of these characters. My big problem, and to recenter it, because this is a Superman podcast, to recenter it, I always like to look at things through the critical lens of, of who Superman is and what we can learn about him from this. And we learn a bunch of facts about Superman from this, right? We learn about Fortress of Solitude, we see Lois Lane, we uh, one time at least, maybe more, we see Clark, the Daily Planet we see, um, and so on. We see Krypton, we see, we see Smallville, we see all of these facts that pay great homage to the source material. What's lacking, as much as I joke about is Superman okay, is it to me, it's missing, missing that the most important part that his greatest superpower of, of his ethics and his compassion over more than just like a surface level. And I think to me, probably maybe I'm biased from having done this with you for a while now, right? That I, I've seen so many good Superman stories in comics and in animation and film and everywhere where you really see that the best parts of him are the, the human parts that relate to people that shine. And we don't ever get, and that this one small step episode could have been that episode. It could have been like, this is the best Superman super friends episode ever. He talks to this kid about not having fear and about how, you know, he felt alone when he first came to this planet and he needed people to help him. Hey, you know, guess what? I'm Superman. Look around me. I need help. I can't do this by myself. It's okay for you to ask for help too. And that's what we needed. Not tricking him with giant robots. And I think that's my fundamental problem. It's so funny to me because I feel like, like I'm almost surprised that I don't feel the same way. And I feel like audience members who have heard me complain about other takes on Superman might also be surprised because it's true. And we said, they said this before, you know, this is not a show really about any internal tension. Right. Within any of the characters or among any of the characters. It's really all, plot based and it's all yep. external external yep and like i said is do i think that's the most interesting or the most compelling no uh, you know of course not but i guess i just you know maybe this is somewhat of a, a, a you know result of of going in with what i think were ultimately pretty realistic expectations of what this show was going to be sure and i think just just accepting like this this is what it is I don't know. And so it didn't, it didn't really bother me as much as, 
as maybe it did for you or as much as I, you might think it would for me. And I think that's why I'm so glad that we're, we're having this, this conversation because you're right. There is, despite all of the flaws and all the nitpicks and all the storytelling and all the consistency problems and all of the glove on robot hands and not knowing what red kryptonite does, despite all of that, there is a certain inherent and infectious joy baked into this show. And I think that I, I want to just admit that and say that as well too. On that front, I do agree with you. I do see it and I do acknowledge it, right? Because this is something that if you were a kid, of the time period, you could pop this on on a, a Saturday morning and probably have the time of your life and then spend the rest of the day zooming around like your favorite super friend. And that is special. And that is real cool. And I, there's no way that me sitting here on my high horse in 2022 really has any right to take that away from anybody and nor would I presume to. I think that's special and it's valid and it's important. And we wouldn't, I think it's fair to say, based on what we saw, all of the other DC animation and stories that I like, we might not have gotten if not for the super friends. So that being said, I am thankful. And I think they're important. I think there's a difference between being important and being of a quality that I enjoy on a, a more cerebral level. I think those are two very different things, but it's important and it's joyful. And that I will definitely agree with. Yeah. I, I think for whatever reason, maybe it was that that comparison to Power Rangers, maybe it was, again, just being in the mood for something a little little easier. But the word sure. I do keep coming back to is, is simple. And I don't say that as a knock, but there is a real simplicity to the mm -hmm. show while still tapping into, again, I think very classic representations of the characters. The most mm -hmm. interesting and nuanced? No. But still very classic, like you can show this to anybody and it's like, these are the characters. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, again, I feel like this was kind of unusual for me, but I'm really glad that I was able to just enjoy it for, for what it was. Now, one criticism of Superman that I always butt up against and I always disagree with is this idea that Superman is boring or a dud. You know, you look at a show like this, but I, but I, but I feel like what you could say, anything you could say about Superman. He's not like, boring in this show. He's having a mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like, I think anything, any criticism along those lines that you could level against Superman, it applies to, it, it applies to everyone in the show. Yeah. Like, that, again, those are, those are lazy insults. And the, the, whoever says that does not have enough experience with any of the countless wonderful stories in various mediums that explore that character at full stop. That's it. Yeah. But like I said at the top, you know, this is a Superman who just always knows what to do and is always willing to do it and is Superman because he's Superman. And and, and mm -hmm. it, it just, it, it is what it is. So, yeah, I, so I guess that's the thing. I, it's not like I was trying to enjoy this from that more cerebral perspective. I think if I were trying to do that, yes, it would be lacking. I think it was, I think I tried to approach this from more of an emotional perspective standpoint of like what mm. this would have been like to watch as a kid or what it was like for the people who, you know who are older than us who watch this as a kid i think that was really like the my guiding light and the principle that i just tried to keep in mind as i was watching this like okay we can pick it apart now easily clearly but sure. what what at the time you know what effect would it have had at the time so 
again, I, you know, it, it, it worked for me. How often would I go back and rewatch these? You know, probably not very, but would I show them to my son, you know, soon? I, I think I would. And sure. I think it would be a fun, you know, it'd be a fun intro. The music's great. We didn't mention the music, but I love the music. Yeah. No, the music was good too. We should make a, a promise at some point to show this both to your son and my daughter and just kind of like get their general notes on it and then, and then share that back. I think that'd be a very interesting project for us. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. That would be. And, you know, audience, I, you know, I would, I would love to hear from you. You know, again, I'm sure there's a mix. I'm sure there's some who've never watched it or had a similar experience that we did when we were kids and, and then others who grew up watching it and loved it. So, uh, you know, but it, it certainly, I think, earned its place in the DC canon. I'm very glad that all the episodes are available. Yes. There are plenty of projects that are not, I, you know, not to rant against this, but Adventures of Superman, you know, missing from any streaming service, including HBO Max. So I'm, I'm so glad that it's out there. And, and you know, you, you, know, you got to walk before you can run, right? So we, yeah. we have had the take on Superman that we got in Superman, the animated series, where it dealt with more adult themes and it got into more of what makes him tick. You know, if, if we didn't have this sort of like baseline version to, to build off of, you know, we haven't talked about this, but, you know, we also did our, you know, a while back we did our Ruby Spears Yes. Episode, which came right in between. I was just going to, it's so funny. I, I mean, because my mind just jumps to what I think my favorite is, but yes, chronologically speaking, we know what comes next, right? Uh, we spent a good amount of time covering what comes next. Yeah. And even that, even the, the differences between those, those two shows, I don't, I don't know. It's something I definitely would have to think of, think about more to, in terms of just overall, which one, I enjoyed more. I think I ought to be honest with you, Anthony. I think I might overall, despite everything I said, enjoy the super friends and all their subsequent seasons overall, maybe even a little more than the Ruby spheres, just because they had that more variety and more of that joyous kind of madcap celebration. It's something that I have to think about, about comparing those two a little more, but it's my, my gut feeling. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I think my heart ultimately lies more with super friends yeah, but there's look Ruby Spears is again we did two hours on it so people can listen to that. But a fascinating, we sure did. fascinating entry. So interesting. You know, one of the last things, and we can go back to anything that that you like. But one of the last things I know we touched on Bizarro, but I continue to wrestle with my feelings towards Bizarro as a character because I feel like he's really hit or miss, and for me, he's usually more miss than than hit. Sure, I I still think probably one of my very favorite incarnations really was Superman, the animated series, because I thought that tapped into it's the best one. It's the tragedy. It, it had, yes. the, I really think it's had the best balance all the bizarros I've seen is the best balance between the tragedy and the comedy. Yep. And it really, like we talked about it, you know, it really pulls at the heartstrings that he, you know, he thinks he's Superman. It's heartbreaking. And that's then I, I'm for anybody who listened to the mixtapes. Thank you. And uh, I'm sorry for repeating myself here, but I, we were so enamored with that episode because it plays on the idea of Bizarro to something as alien as it might seem we can all relate to is what happens when we find out we're not who we thought we were. And that is the universal fear and emotion that can help get us grounded into Bizarro. I think that's, to me at least, is the key to that character. And that's what's like totally missing here. I mean, I am yeah. glad that we didn't have to deal with backwards speak, which I'm I'm never a fan of. But yeah, you know, th th there's really 
as I like to say, there's no meat on the bone here with this Bizarro. He's mm-hmm. just a backwards version of Superman who lives on Bizarro world. It, you know, I like the visual enough, I guess, but I've, I've never been a yeah. fan of Bizarro world. I've always thought it was silly. Sorry, but I, I've never liked it. Well, because you, you rob the specialness of the character a little bit too, by creating a whole planet, right? That's kind of how I look at it. A hundred percent. And so, you know, between that and, uh, you know, really just not having any any aspect of that tragedy to the character, I just don't think he works as well. So, you know, these episodes with Bizarro were okay. I mean, I enjoyed them more because, you know, they brought us to the fortress and they incorporated red yeah. and blue kryptonite. Like, I enjoy them more for that than the Bizarro of it. Those jokes didn't land, huh? About the the square wheels and we go through walls instead of doors. It was all very hokey, right? Yeah, that shtick doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, me neither, unsurprisingly. Now, look, you know, uh, Superman, the animated series, him mistaking the doorman for Jor-El, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, but that but that's the thing. Those jokes were earned as well, too, right? Because it wasn't just... Like the, the surface level comedy constantly. So I think that's a big part of it too, right? Those moments you appreciate more because they're in balance with storytelling. Yeah. I think that's all I got, man. But what else, what else do you want to say about super friends? Uh, it's on HBO max. Don't take our word for it. Go watch it. I would love to have conversations with everybody whether it's your first time watching it or if you watched it when you were a kid, I would be so curious to hear people's experiences with the show. And I just, just get some feedback and maybe more so than anything we've ever covered. Cause I feel like you and I have such different opinions on the show. I'm so interested and excited to hear what other people think. Right. Because I feel like there's still so much I can learn from different people's viewpoints on this show, no matter what this show is important, integral, and a worthy piece of Superman's history and the larger DC universe's history. I think it's important. Doesn't necessarily mean I think it's good, but I do think it's important. And that alone means that I'm happy. I watched it. Uh, I'm happy that everybody, you know, can, can watch it as long as you pay HBO their money. Uh, I'm happy that everybody has the ability to watch it because I think it's a, it sounds funny to, to talk about something uh, that people may have watched when they were kids as like a historical artifact. I'm not trying to uh, age people horribly here, but it really does seem like an important piece of history, regardless of anything else that I nitpick. It does seem like a legitimate, important part of history. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And I appreciate everything you said and you know, don't, don't feel too bad if you, you know, you, you didn't enjoy it as much as you wanted to. I, I definitely know that feeling of wanting to enjoy something yep, and not really getting there. And you know, that, that, that's quite all right. But I, you know, I'm, you know, from my perspective, like I said, I, I think I was able to come to come at this from a standpoint of accepting it for what it was and being able to enjoy it within that context. But like yourself, I mean, totally appreciate the the place that it holds like i said at the top i mean it was really really carried the torch for such a long time i mean not to harp on this but that was again one of the things that was so surprising to me was how uh you know what a what a long uh, span it had Uh, and they got better not only did they just hang in there but they actively got better so you got to give them credit for that you do they got better and clearly you know we're formative for a lot of fans but including fans who became creators you yeah, know, Alex Ross did his whole Justice miniseries that was very much in the vein Love it. of Love Super it. Friends. Scott mm-hmm. Snyder recently did a whole run on Justice League that took a lot of its cues from that. Uh, so, you know, it's it's definitely had, and again, even Justice League Unlimited, though they weren't called the Legion of Doom, they, they for all intents and purposes, that's what we were dealing with. So, yep. you know, it, it's had a very 
lasting legacy and and that's not nothing and and again there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had uh in watching these episodes so i'm really this was not an episode that was originally on my list when i first sat down and mapped out this year like i said it just kind of uh, sprung up on me and i was like i feel like we need to do this i'm very glad we did and i appreciate you coming along for this this ride oh me too i'm so glad we did and uh you know, it's always, always a pleasure. You just got to give me the signal. I'll come running to the hall of justice and we'll make it happen. Yes. Oh, in closing, I know we, we touched on it here and there, but yes, the episode it's called the fear, correct? Yes. The fear, I believe is what it's called. All right. So in the final season, right. Was the final season episode? Yeah, it's the final. It's one of the last episodes, I think, right. It's in the last season. Yes. So this was scarecrow episode, very Batman centric. You and I were talking off mic, you know, this was intended to, to be the basis for a separate new Batman animated series Yep. ended up not happening. It was repurposed as this super friends or superpowers episode. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the darkest take on Batman that we got in the entirety of super friends, definitely one of the darkest episodes generally and most mature. Yes, I mean, by by a country mile. My goodness, yeah, talk about storytelling and dark. You get the whole tragic uh, backstory that we've seen. Oh, no pearls fell to the ground this time, though. Like you know, I was waiting for those pearls to fall when the uh, when the Waynes were coming out of the theater. Um, but yeah, we we got to see the whole tragic backstory. But more than that, and this is going to sound overtly simple, but it's the first time that we really saw one of the super friends be afraid in a way that was deeply internal and they weren't going to be able to punch their way out of. Yes. And that to me makes this my favorite episode that we've seen by just on that alone. It's a standout again, not a Superman episode, but you know, we had to watch it cause I, you know, I've heard about it for years. It's always been on the list of like, Oh, one day, you know, we'd love to watch that because this was, you know, to my understanding, I mean, one of the earliest examples of the origin being told in a, in a different medium. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is, it really does stand apart from <laughs> the rest of the Super Friends episodes. And yeah, you finally, it's, it's so funny. It's like you get this <laughs> relatively dark and deep Batman episode. You get the death of Superman, which again, it, it does, you know, in, in, a, in a very different vein, but you know, you do see the, you know, the, the, the public mourning, the loss of Superman, yeah. the Super Friends mourning again, it, it, you know, sort of taking things to another level, even you know, the, it takes to the final the black, episodes, the black armbands, even they're all wearing was oh. like a very dark touch. I was like, wow. Yeah. They're really going for it here. I know. I know. I clocked those armbands. I was like, ah, oh, I yeah. wonder if that was, you know, a bit of the, of the inspiration for when right. the actual death of Superman rolled around in the comics. So, uh, yeah, it would have been cool if that had launched a Batman animated series. I would have loved to, uh, to have watched that. You know, I would have absolutely loved to have watched that. I wonder why that didn't pan out. I'm curious. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was also, again, reading on Wikipedia, there was uh, an attempt to do a new Teen Titans uh, spinoff. Yes. Or I don't know if, I mean, it's, I don't know if they would have launched it from Super Friends, but it would have been set within the same continuity. I mean, like that would have been really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm always down for more Titans. I know. And that would have been the time, like the period of time for it as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the eighties. Yeah, for sure. You know, would have been, uh, would have been perfect with, with the depiction of the Wayne's murder. I was very curious, like, oh, how are they going to do this? Cause it's still a Just Saturday morning about that. kids cartoon. And that you know, thunder, right? The thunder the in lightning, place of, yeah. the, of the bullets. Yeah. Which was effective. I don't think that would have scarred yeah. the kids who are watching, but still would have had an understanding. A certain it's also a nice viewers. audio. It's a nice audio cue. Cause <clears> then when, you know, Batman's going back through it, he's hearing that strike again. So it's, uh, that was a nice connection. I thought. 
it, you know, the saying, right, constraints make the artist. Like, even though they were limited right. in that sense, it still lent itself really well. That's a great, I, I hadn't made that connection, but you're right. The fact that the thunder yeah. you know, pulls him right back to that. Yeah, that one, that one really was, was a standout. So, yeah, by the time you get to that, those final couple of seasons with Dark Side, even with all of the weirdness with Wonder Woman, but the Dark Side episodes and, uh, you know, the ones that we were just talking about, um, I think it becomes, it gets closer to, you know, a version of an animated series that you and I, you know, would would be able to sink our teeth into. Yes, more definitely, definitely. Well, my friend, as always, we've gone just about a couple of hours here, but I, I really, enjoy, I so enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. I really, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, and thank you to everybody who's always, uh, you know, reaching out and talking to us. And uh, it's a wonderful community we have here. So thank you to everybody who listens, watches, and supports. This is a whole lot of fun. Whole lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, audience. Make sure you come back next time for our next all new episode of Digging for Kryptonite. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. The spinoff podcast, Digging for Justice, a DC fan journey, is available now exclusively at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato, starting at the $1 level. New episodes release monthly and many more rewards are available too including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.